Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the day of Shavuot, which is approaching. And uh, in Jewish tradition, uh, the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And according to Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was given to the Jewish people 50 days after Yeshua's resurrection. Now, the word Shavuot in Hebrew means weeks because it's uh, seven weeks, 49 days plus one day. And in Greek, the word Pentecost uh, means 50 days, which is what the rabbis uh, called it when they translated um, the Hebrew scriptures into Greek. And uh, they both, in Hebrew and Greek, uh, reference the 50 days that we count between Passover and Shavuot. Uh, which God commanded us to do, you know, in Leviticus 23 and verse 15, uh, Leviticus 23 and verse 15 and 16 says, you're to count from the morrow after the Shabbat, from the day that you brought the Omer, the wave offering, seven complete Shabbatot, until the morrow after the seventh Shabbat, you're to count 50 days and then present a new grain offering to um, Adonai. So I feel like anytime we reference tomorrow, we should reference it as the morrow because it's cooler. So uh, Passover is the beginning of the harvest. Shavuot is the first fruits uh, of the harvest. And there's a few biblical names for Shavuot. One is found in Exodus 23. Um, It's the festival of the wheat harvest. Uh, The other is found in Numbers chapter 28 and verse 26. Uh, which is Yom HaBikarim, which is the day of first fruits. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, the name Zaman, Zaman Matan Torah Tenu, the time of the giving of the law, is actually not found anywhere in the scripture. That Shavuot um, is a traditional idea that the Torah was given to Moses, but it doesn't say it on the scriptures. But the tradition that the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai predates Yeshua and his disciples, which means that in the first century, like all Jewish people, uh, they believed that the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. So Rabbi Ronald Isaacs in in a book called Every Person's Guide to Shavuot, he says this, he says, in the course of time, a new theme was added to Shavuot, namely, the commemoration of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. This celebration originated in the exilic period of Jewish history, and the festival gained a new contemporary motif when the rabbis linked Shavuot with the Theophany at Mount Sinai, when God revealed his will to Moses and the children of Israel. So the Torah never explicitly says the Torah was given to Moses on Shavuot, uh, but By the time of the Babylonian captivity, which is 500 years before Yeshua, 
um, by the time of Yeshua, Shavuot was believed to be the day that Moses received the Torah on Mount Sinai. Now, Exodus does give the month on the Jewish calendar. Um, it says that it happened in the month of Savan, which is where uh, the month that Shavuot happens in. It says in Exodus 19, verse 1 to 2, in the third month after B'nai Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, that same day they arrived at the wilderness of Sinai. They traveled from Rephidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp in the wilderness. And they camped there right in front of the mountain. So it was in the month of Sivan that Israel stays at Mount Sinai for just under a year. Um, and it's within that time, uh, well, during the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, 500 years before Yeshua, that Shavuot becomes about rev revelation and identity. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Shavuot is about revelation and identity by the time of the first century. See, the covenant at Mount Sinai is officially when God becomes our God and we, the Jewish people, become his people. Uh, Nahum Sarna says in the uh, JPS Torah commentary on Exodus, he says, the arrival at Sinai inaugurates the culminating stage in the process of forging Israel's national identity and spiritual destiny. So the event of the Exodus and then getting to Mount Sinai, which takes 50 days, they left on the first day of the counting of Omer from uh, Egypt. They arrived at Mount Sinai and, um, and this event culminates that we worship the God who brought us out of Egypt. So in one sense, Shavuot, which is just a few days away, is the sealing of the deal. It's like the marriage ceremony between Israel and the God of Israel. It's where the covenant becomes a reality that we are now God's people and he is our God. And so receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai is a revelation of identity. As a nation, the Jewish people, as a nation, uh, that we belong to our God. And this is 1,500 years before Yeshua, our Messiah. And, and I would argue that Yeshua and his disciples believed with the rest of first century Judaism that the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And that's evident because of what happens in Acts chapter 2, which is a Sinai event in the temple courts in Jerusalem. And this is key, is if we get into the heads of the first century disciples, what is happening to them in Acts chapter 2 is uh, they recognize that what is happening to them was a Sinai event on the same day that it's believed by the Jewish people in the first century that the Torah was given to Moses. 1,500 years after the Mount Sinai event. And that's why this is part of my, uh, the title uh, of today's message is uh, there's nothing, nothing new happened in Acts chapter two. It rhymes for your joy. Uh, nothing new happened in Acts chapter two because 
Shavuot is a revelation that this is by nature a revelation of a fulfilled promise isn't new because if the promise was already given then when the promise is fulfilled it's not new it's expected it's a expectation fulfilled so watch this acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of shavuot had come they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a, a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and tongues like fire spread out appeared to them and, and settled on each one of them and they were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them to speak out now if you're a jewish person in the first century and these things are happening to you in the temple courts on the day of shavuot then you're already thinking about mount sinai and what happened in mount sinai 1500 years earlier and now all of a sudden the things that happened on mount sinai are happening on the same day 1500 years later in the temple courts so if you go back to exodus 19 you see the same elements that happened uh, to Moses on Mount Sinai happened in Acts chapter 2, Exodus 19 and verse 16. It says, in the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and the blast of an exceedingly loud shofar and all the people in the camp trembled. And then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the lowest part of the mountain. Now, the entire Mount Sinai was covered in smoke because Adonai had descended upon it in fire. And the smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with a thunderous sound. You know, not just in these two events, but other, in other places in the scriptures, when God speaks, there's fire smoke, and a loud sound. And for many Christians, the, the logic goes like this in Christian theology. If, if Sinai, if Mount Sinai was the birth of the Jewish people, then Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. Uh, the Holman Bible Handbook says it this way. Um, it says the church was inaugurated at Pentecost as God's new people. Or Millard Erickson in his book, Christian Theology, says the church is the new Israel. It occupies the place in the new covenant that Israel occupied in the old. Whereas in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God was peopled by the nation Israel. In the New Testament, it is peopled by the church. Of course, the problem is that's not what the text says at all in Acts chapter 2. And you've got to jump through a lot of hoops. To make that happen. In fact, you can't say Acts chapter 2 is the start of the church because there were no Gentiles present at. There's no new people because the only people there are Jewish people. There are some proselytes who uh, became Jewish people, which is also an invention of the first century, but it is filled with Jewish people and God fearers who are connected to the Jewish people. Um, so here's what's not happening in Acts chapter 2. There's nothing new. There's no birth of a new people. There's no disregard of the Jewish people. It's not a mulligan. There's no start. There's no beginning. It's the middle of the story. 
Because what Luke writes in the book of Acts and what we see is there is uh, uh, Jewish people from every nation present at Shavuot. Why? Because we're supposed to be present in Jerusalem for Passover and Shavuot, their harvest and pilgrim, pilgrimage festivals. So Acts 2 and verse 5 says this. It says, now the Jewish people were staying in Jerusalem Devout men from every nation under heaven. (laughs) So here's what's actually happening according to the text in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, what happens to the disciples and all the Jewish people who are there in the temple courts is a Sinai-like event with fire, smoke, and a loud sound. And it's a fulfillment of God's promises to Israel, to the Jewish people. See, because the disciples understood that what was happening to them in the temple courts on Shavuot, it was a Sinai event on the same day. I mean, we ask, and, and people ask all the time, but isn't the giving of the Holy Spirit new? No, the Holy Spirit has always been available and always given. The difference is the receptiveness of the people who are present. David Stern, who uh, is a Messianic Jewish scholar and uh, died recently at the end of last year. He's my hero. and. His memory is a blessing. He writes this in his uh, Jewish New Testament commentary on Acts chapter 2. He says, what is different is the receptiveness of those for whom the Torah is meant due to having a new spirit and a heart of flesh on which the Torah is written, a heart that is receptive to the Holy Spirit. Thus, the Holy Spirit in a believer's life makes the Torah even more real to him And the giving of the Holy Spirit on Shavuot only heightens the significance for the Jewish people of the giving of the Torah on Shavuot. Because the Holy Spirit is given first to the Jewish people. Like, for instance, people will say, like the comment, one of the commentaries I read, uh, you realize that God has never made a covenant with any people other than the Jewish people that we know of. That the new covenant is a covenant that he makes with the Jewish people, like every covenant that came before. The responsibility of the new covenant is that we go and tell the nation. But do you know that in the book of Acts, it takes uh, 18 years for the gospel to be preached to Gentiles. From the day of the giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on Shavuot. It takes 18 years for Paul to preach to Greek-speaking, Greek-God-worshipping Gentiles who have no connection to the God of Israel. It happens in Acts 14 in the city of Lystra. And there's other places where, uh, uh, leading up to where he speaks to the Holy Spirit fills God-fearers, but God-fearers were Gentiles that were connected to the Jewish people and understood uh, certain things. And so for the first 18 years, the Holy Spirit predominantly only filled 
Jewish people. And it takes them 14 years, uh, 18 years to understand what it means to go to the nations. That the Holy Spirit is first on the day of Shavuot given to the Jewish people so that we could fulfill our commission to go and tell the Gentiles that the God of Israel keeps his promises. And our existence in this world today is proof that he continues to keep his promises. How does an insignificant small nation, small population of Jewish people, do you know in 1938, the largest recorded Jewish population in the world was 15.7 million people. And of course, a third of that were, were murdered in the Holocaust. And we are almost now in 2023, back to that number. How is it that a population of less than 16 million people in a population of close to 8 billion have the impact that we have had on this world? Well, because it doesn't have to do with us. It has to do with the God who fulfills his promises and told us all the way back to the covenant he made with Abraham that his descendants would be a, a, a blessing to the Gentiles. So the theme of Shavuot, both in uh, Exodus 19 and the giving of the Torah and in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament it is revelation and identity. First, for the Jewish people who are the physical descendants of Abraham. And then we are supposed to fulfill the covenant responsibility to go and tell the nations that their gods don't actually exist. And that the God who created the heavens and the earth is the God of Israel. So watch this, back to Exodus 19, verse five. God says to the Jewish people gathered, if you listen closely to my voice, Exodus 19, verse five, if you listen closely to my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be my own treasure from among all people for all the earth is mine. So as for you, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you're to speak to the sons of Israel. And so in the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people become the people of God and, and he becomes our God. It's a revelation of identity. In, in Acts chapter 2, the Jewish people receive the Holy Spirit on hearts that are ready after they saw Yeshua ascend into heaven 10 days before Shavuot and saw him appear resurrected for the first 40 days of the counting of the Omer, that he rose from the dead on the same day that we left Egypt, the first day of the counting of the Omer, and that sent his spirit to his people on the same day that it was believed in the first century that um, Moses received the Torah on Mount Sinai. So Peter, one of the disciples of Yeshua stands up as these things are happening in the temple courts. And just not too long within the 50 days before Shavuot, Peter denied Yeshua three times, 
was uh, reinstated by Yeshua three times and told to feed the Lord's sheep. And so Peter stands up uh, in the temple courts in Acts chapter 2, and, and he preaches uh, Acts 2 and, and, and verse 36. He says, therefore, let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, this Yeshua whom you had crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the emissaries, uh, fellow brethren, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let each one of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua for the removal of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and, and for your children and, and for all who are far away. As many as Adonai, our God, calls to himself. See, the order is that the promises uh, are first, the promises of God are first for the Jewish people so that we could live out our commission to tell Gentiles how the God of Israel fulfills his promises. Because we are evidence, we are proof that he does. And the disciples understood that what was happening to them in Acts chapter 2 was a Sinai event on the same day that the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. You know, it was just a few days earlier, um, uh, four days ago on, on the Jewish calendar, 10 days from Shavuot, where Yeshua ascended into heaven. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says to his disciples, right before he ascends into heaven, he, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will receive uh uh, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judah and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you know that the pattern of the book of Acts does exactly that. The story that Luke tells plays out Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. That the gospel first goes to Jewish people in Jerusalem. Uh, Hebrew-speaking Jewish people. Then it goes to Greek-speaking people in Jerusalem. Then it goes to uh, Judea and, and Samaria. Uh, to Jewish people. Uh, and then by the end of the book of Acts, Paul is preaching in Rome and has then, by then, preached all over the known world. And so it's, it's but it takes 20 years for the disciples to understand what going to the nations even means. And, and it's first in the order of how things work, like every covenant that came before, it's first for the Jewish people and then for the Gentiles through the preaching of the Jewish people. Sometimes people say all the time in theology that the Jewish people rejected Jesus or the Jewish people killed Jesus. And um, the answer to those things is, well, we didn't reject Jesus. But the majority did, you're thinking in your head. Yes, but let me ask you this. When did the majority of the Jewish people ever do what we were supposed to do in any covenant? It's never based on what the majority does. It's based on a remnant of people who remain faithful to what God has commanded us to do. And the disciples did exactly what Yeshua told them to do. And any Gentile who's listening to this message on Zoom or in the congregation this morning, the reason why you believe in Yeshua is because the Jewish apostles 
did what God commanded them to do. They brought the gospel to the nations. Paul talks about the same pattern in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. And, you know, Messianic Judaism follows the same pattern that we're supposed to preach to our own people, to our Jewish people, uh, but also to the nations. And how weird is it that I'm able to speak to you from the ends of the earth I mean, you're also in the ends of the earth, but we're 3,000 miles from each other. And I'm in the city of Seattle, which has got to be one of the furthest places you could go from Jerusalem in the earth. And I'm a Jewish guy preaching the gospel from the ends of the earth back to the ends of the earth, just as Yeshua promised. That the gospel is for the Jewish people, but then also extended to the nations through us. And this is why we gather on Shabbat, but also why we celebrate the day of Shavuot, which is quickly approaching that it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, that after Peter preached and 3,000 Jewish men, because they didn't count the women and children, so it's thousands of more the 3000 jewish men received yeshua as peter preached some of which were ones who yelled crucify him and were forgiven because yeshua forgives sin and they were immersed in the name of yeshua acts 2 verse 46 says day by day they continued with one mind spending time at the temple and breaking bread from house to house and they were sharing Meals with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord was adding to their number those being saved. And every day the Lord was adding to their number those being saved. See, nothing new happened in Acts chapter 2. It's the same story with the same God to the same people who all the way back to the first covenants that God made with us were to be a blessing to the Gentiles, to the nations. And in Acts chapter two, and as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Shavuot later this week, uh, that the disciples, the Jewish disciples understood that what was happening to them was happening what was happening to them was a Sinai event in the temple courts and they were filled with the Holy Spirit so that they could tell everyone that the God of Israel fulfills his promises. And friends, we are filled with the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that took Yeshua's dead body only uh, a few days ago in the counting of the Omer that took his dead body and breathed life back into it on the third day that brought him back to life. The, the, the same Holy Spirit that brought Yeshua back to life dwells in us when we receive Yeshua as our Messiah. And then that same Holy Spirit fills us with the same purpose that he filled the disciples in Acts chapter 2 to go and tell everyone, Jew and Gentile, 
male and female, slave and free, that the God of Israel fulfills his promises again and again. And even when we don't keep our part, God still calls us back to himself to fill us with his spirit so that we can tell everyone that the God of Israel fulfills his promises. See, Acts 2 is not the start of anything. It's a continuation of the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel so that we, Jew and Gentile together, can tell everyone, being filled with the same Holy Spirit, that the God of Israel fulfills his promises. Let me pray for you. Lord God, we thank you for who you are and who you've called us to be as your people. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would fill us fresh with your spirit, that you would anoint us to go and tell everyone that the God of Israel fulfills his promises and is still fulfilling his promises, first to the Jewish people and by extension and through the Jewish people to Gentiles, that he would bring all of creation back to himself. Lord, we're grateful that you've invited us to participate in the things that you're doing in this world. And we pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit fresh so that we can tell everyone that the God of Israel fulfills his promises. We pray these things in Yeshua's mighty and awesome name. Amen.